it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass, Billy Gunn, together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation, and if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you, suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me. I, of course, am your host, Sassy Steffi, and this is Talking Sass. And I'm so excited to have you guys along for the journey today because I have such an amazing guest. But before we get started, it's the beginning of the month, so it is so important because this is the best time to join Patreon because it's the beginning of the month. You're going to get all of my fantastic members exclusives. And this month I have so many great things planned. So don't miss out. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash and become a member. Tiers start at only $2. So that's an amazing thing. You're going to get access to things that people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook aren't going to have access to. So make sure you go and sign up. And also with it being the beginning of November, that means it's the beginning of the holiday season. Of course, we have American Thanksgiving coming up in a couple weeks, and we also have Christmas and all the holidays around there. And then we have 2021. It is coming up so fast. This year, even though it's been pretty horrible for most of us, has flown by, at least it has for me anyway, I should say. But I'm excited because 2021 hopefully is going to be that fresh new restart that everybody needs And hopefully COVID will see itself out the door and we'll be able to get back to life as we knew it in 2019 (laughs) because 2020 has been rough for a lot of people. So let's just hope that uh, things start turning for the positive, you know? Now on to today's guest. He is a former WWE superstar and former personal ring announcer for Alberto Del Rio. And if that doesn't give it away, well then I guess you haven't been watching WWE in the last 10 years. (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about Ricardo Rodriguez, also known as Jesus. And uh, I'm so excited because I got him on Talking Sass right before he leaves for Egypt. Now, when I recorded my episode, which I do record a couple of weeks ahead of time, he wasn't able to announce it quite yet because he was waiting on a couple of details still to come through. But he's going to go to Cairo, Egypt to help mentor a bunch of students over there for wrestling. So I'm so excited that I was able to get him on before he takes off because that might be a little bit hard scheduling wise across the, across the world there to uh, get him on the show. So I'm very excited to introduce to you guys, Jesus Ricardo Rodriguez. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Sass. I am so excited today because I have a former WWE superstar with me and 
I'm really excited. And I saw a couple interviews that he did and I have to make sure that I do this intro with heart and pride. So without further ado, help me welcome Jesus Ricardo Rodriguez. <laughs> really good, really good. Uh, and I, I like I like that you did your research on, on that one because um, in the past when people do the whole intro thing, I'm like, I always stop them, as you said, because we want to give it a little something, right? We want to make it a little something special. But you got it. You got it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, even if I know somebody, which I've known you for quite a bit of time, which we'll get into, but I always want to do my research because there might be things I don't know. And I didn't know that you would stop me. And I'm like, no, I want to make this special <laughs> and give him the nice introduction that he deserves that he always did on WWE TV. So, and I got to roll my R's. I'm not as good as you are, but <laughs> I got to roll my R's. My Spanish class from like second grade kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> so how no, are you I appreciate doing? How uh, are you good, doing? good, good. I'm I'm here in uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, I know you're over there on the other side of, of the country um, yeah. or of the coast, so you're a couple hours ahead of me. But um, and it's just the sun is barely coming down here uh, on a, on a Sunday. Sunday now today. I don't know when you're gonna air it, but uh, Sunday uh, and just here at home. Just here at home, uh, not much of anything going on because of COVID, uh, outside of just training, and that's about it. No shows here yet, but hopefully, hopefully soon we can kind of get back to the groove of wrestling, because I'm, I'm sure you miss it, I miss it, uh, we all miss it, and, and like like we spoke prior to this, uh, we, we got that itch, and damn it, it's, it's itching. Well, I, I tell people all the time, I'm semi-retired because I don't know if you can ever actually like fully retire from wrestling because it's always there. It's always it in is. your blood. And right now it's hard for everybody just because yeah. everybody wants to get out there and be doing what they love and have a passion for. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's def I think I retired twice in my so far in the last <laughs> 14 years, but um, I'm, I, I don't want to go on that Terry Funk uh, type of deal where I retire every two years and they come back. Um, <laughs> but no, and like you said, we never fully retire because we always want to be involved somehow. Mm -hmm. um, we we invested so much time and sacrificed so much for for this this sport that it's hard just to say goodbye. Um, and something always drags us back in, uh, whether we watch a match that that uh, that like ignites us again or. Or somebody sends you a message that just kind of like hits you right in the, in, the, in the warm spot. And you're like, no, you know, I still got more left and I want to keep going. Um, and for us, like, like I said before, uh, before we went on, you know, live, um, COVID was it for, uh, I know a lot of us, uh, we were so used to wrestling and we, we took it for granted and then all of a sudden got taken away. And instead of having a show this on a weekend and then two shows, three shows, a full week, a full month, all of a sudden we have nothing. Um, so I know we, a lot of us felt it, I felt it. Um, and here we are, like I'm, I'm ready for it to come back safely, of course, yeah. but I'm ready for it to come back. Definitely, well, let's talk a little bit about your career. You said 14 years ago, so we're talking 2006. Yes, And did you start in the mask or did you start without the mask? No, I started in the mask. Um, so uh, I started backyard wrestling here in LA uh, man, what was it, like 2000, right after high school. So like 2004, 2004. Um, so I started doing the whole backyard thing. And then I found this, these guys here who had a, a ring 
and they they had like uh, backyard wrestling shows. So then I joined them, um, and we would imitate exactly what we saw, uh, like at the time on Impact on TNA. We used to Im- imitate a move for move. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a boxing ring, but we didn't know any any difference. And boxing rings are very different than wrestling rings. Boxing rings are stiff. Yeah, uh, they don't, they're a lot they smaller. Have, yeah, well, not only not only that, but they don't they don't have any spring in them. Right. Um, so we learned how to how to bump, how to roll, all that stuff on on a boxing ring. Um, and then eventually, I, I eventually got trained and and then went on. But yeah, I, I started with the mask. Um, I started lucha libre first, uh, straight a Mexican lucha libre, and then eventually I transitioned to the American style. And fourteen years later, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, you got started. So in two thousand six, you said your first professional match, right? Not yeah. your backyard, but professionally. And yes. then you were signed to FCW in two thousand ten. So four years, especially at that time, because. Now, if you're a super indie star, you, you can pretty much get signed almost right away. Maybe not now in COVID, but let's say like a year or so ago. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, w- one thing that I noticed, uh, and then uh, obviously this is just an opinion, uh, but it seemed like if you had a big uh, online follow- following, a social media following, mm-hmm. you, were, you, you had an upper hand as far as uh, getting noticed because uh, everything now is social media. Everything is online. Um, so if you had a strong social media following, you had an upper hand, uh, more so than other guys who didn't, uh, of, as far as getting noticed. Well, um, I, I remember when I had one of my tryouts, we were, the group that I was with was actually very blessed because we got to sit down with William Regal for like two and a half hours in the stands, yeah. like before raw. And he told yeah. us that he's like, if you want to get signed right now, get a social media following immediately. Yeah. And I was like, yeah that's more important than anything else. And he was like, yeah, that's yeah. the most important right now. And that was, I don't know, maybe six years ago. Yeah. And, and then something that, uh, and I've said it before in the past, it was all because of Zack Ryder. Uh, Zack <laughs> Ryder was the whole reason why they were so into social media and, and uh, why everything now really with them. I mean, I'm sure it would have happened eventually. Right. I'm sure it would have happened eventually, but it was because of Zack Ryder, because of what he did online and with his YouTube channel. And then he made his own music video. He made a song. Um, he got himself over. So it's all because of Zack. I loved at that time when he was doing all that, I was loving that. And you, you said Zach got himself over. And I remember one time in one of those videos, he was climbing a fence and he was struggling mm-hmm. and they're like, Zach, what are you trying to do? He's like, I'm trying to get over. And I was just... <laughs> It's, you know, using the, you know, the technically, like the backstage, you know, lingo and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm dying. These were hilarious. I remember those. Those are great. Yeah, it's all because of Zach. Yeah. But those four years that you were wrestling professionally, but not in WWE, not before you got signed. Mm. What was that like? How did you get signed? Because like you said, at that time, the internet wasn't, you know, Twitter. We were still on MySpace. We were still using MySpace. (laughs) um no i mean uh it was all the myspace and, and youtube it was just messaging promoters and uh i mean obviously i had to learn the american style and then working on the on the left side versus the right side mm-hmm. and then learning a whole another terminology it's like learning a different language um but i was very persistent and i was, was passionate about like I, I would keep bugging i was stubborn i was and still am uh, i was very stubborn about from uh sending messages to promoters and uh like when i messaged uh chikara that i wanted to be there and then they would tell me well send me some stuff so i did 
Um, uh, same thing when I first went to Europe, I messaged the promoter and I sent him some stuff, some, um, so whole thing. And then they basically told me, fly yourself out here and then, you know, we'll take care of the rest. And sure enough, I did. I took those big leaps of faith and, and I flew myself out to, to Pennsylvania. I flew myself out to Europe and then thankfully it worked out. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many people, I don't know if it was the same for the males, but, uh, when, I would say probably around the same time, 2011, 2012-ish, there was a lot of girls that were flying themselves to Japan. And some of the veteran mm -hmm. girls were actually pretty upset that they were doing that because they're like, you need to earn your right, spots right, right, to right. go there. So was that the same for the males? Uh, maybe, I don't know because, I mean, it might have been. It might have been. I, I always took like, a, I don't want to say like a lone wolf approach because that's BS because nobody ever does this alone. But uh I, I kind of, I was always kind of a loner. Uh, I had like a very small, a small circle mm -hmm. and then we kind of did our own thing on the side. Uh, so I never stuck with the clicks, um, per se. Mm -hmm. And, um, so even though we, we had a little circle of outcasts, cause it was the same thing when I was in high school, I was part of the, 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 the social outcast group. Um, we kind of did our own thing and then uh, respectfully, because that, that's a big thing that I, and we'll get into it later. That's a big thing that I don't see a lot now is respecting those that came before you. Mm. Um, but I mean, respectfully, I did my own thing. I didn't go where everybody else was going to um, fit in per se, or um, if, if somebody said, hey, fly yourself out and then, you know, do this and then I'll take care of the rest, which I did. I will fly myself out, but I was very confident of what I can do and of my wrestling i was very very confident mm -hmm. and sure enough it paid off because once i went to europe the first time around every single time that i went after that they flew me out they paid me very well and i got booked in other countries on those loops mm -hmm. it sort of worked out um but the very first step was flying getting myself out there getting getting noticed um but like i said i was confident what i could do well i think in wrestling you have to be confident because if you don't you know, try to advance yourself and don't have a certain bit of cockiness about you or, you know, aggression to not aggressive, I guess, but like pursuing something because you said you were right. always messaging people, you're not going to get anywhere because that's what the independence is all about. You have to get your name out there. You have to do these things mm -hmm. in order to get people to look at you. And then if you're on certain stages, like you said, Chikara, Europe, then other people are looking at you as well and you start to really get your name out there then. Yeah, you network. Once you're there, yeah. you have to network. You have to socialize, um, which that was another thing that was weird for me because like I said, in high school, I was such a loner. Um, but <laughs> it also all? helped, no, but it also helped because I actually was a car salesman. Um, in my early years of wrestling, I used to sell cars for Toyota. So I bought myself my, uh, my own car. Um, so that kind of like broke me out of a shell and then once I started working into, well, for some of you guys I know, I used to work in the adult industry. Um, not, I mean, behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got to be very specific there. <laughs> yeah, behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, but I had to deal with a lot of people. So you have to go and, you know, be social. Um, you have to deal with clients and this and this and call this company, call this uh, GM or whatever. Um so you learn to socialize. So, and also that kind of helped out once I, once you go into wrestling, cause you have to socialize. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that helped a lot too. Once I got out there and I got to meet promoters, I got to meet other wrestlers. I got to meet different people and you network. Um, I pressed something. Sorry. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, 
so that helped out. But like I said, it was all just the confidence and basically the whole thing of faking it till you're making it. That's what I did when I got signed with WWE. <laughs> um, Go ahead. No, 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 that's, oh, that's okay. too much it. <laughs> Speaking of being signed with WWE, I mean, you've had like some major accomplishments. I, I mean, in my mind, maybe you see them differently because you were there, but like you got to be in some iconic matches. You got to do some pretty iconic things. You've taken some amazing finishers that like everybody and their brother would probably dream to have taken. What's your favorite moment from your time there at WWE? I always, obviously, my, I mean, my first WrestleMania was definitely special uh, at the Georgia Dome. Um, because a year prior, we were in Arizona for, for WrestleMania, and I was I worked uh, Dragon Gate USA. I worked two shows for Dragon Gate USA. And then one of my friends that was there had a spare ticket. So I, um, no, I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't go to WrestleMania. No, 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 we ended up not going. Um, we just went to Dragon Gate, and then we just kind of like went bar hopping afterwards. Um, but uh, but we were we were there in Arizona in Phoenix, and then the following year, a, a year later, I was in WrestleMania. I was in one of the main events, so that was always pretty cool. And it had to be with Edge. Um, it was Edge, Alberto, Brodus, myself, Christian. Um, and I've said in the past, you know, what got me into American pro wrestling was a TLC match at WrestleMania 17 mm-hmm. with the Hardy Boys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. That's what got me into American wrestling. Um, so to have my first WrestleMania moment with them, with the, uh, with Edge and Christian, was was amazing. It was amazing. That um, was pretty cool. Uh, that, that's something I'll, I'll always remember. I mean, my, my first, you know, being in the Royal Rumble was cool. Um, dying like every other pay-per-view was cool <laughs> oh, i have i have a couple of uh questions i'm gonna ask you about specific matches too so yeah. go ahead <laughs> no because because uh, it, it, it I, I remember like michael hayes would uh, like every pay-per-view he would come in and just look at me and then just say how are we gonna kill you this month and then he would come up with some weird ass ideas uh, we're gonna throw you off of this or we're gonna th- throw you into this we're gonna do this to you i'm like oh okay I mean, with a smile, but <laughs> with a smile, but I was like, oh, okay. okay. Um, I, I've been in situations like that too. There was one time I was working Dragon Gate. I was just managing and it mm. was in a match against Tommy Dreamer and somebody comes over to me and they're like, so you're going to take the pile driver. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. No mm. problem. I don't take pile drivers. I don't trust them. And then Tommy <laughs> comes up to me and he's like, yeah, so you're going to take the pile driver and we're going to do this spot. And I was like, oh, oh okay. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, of course. And <laughs> that's one of the only pile jars I've ever taken. And yeah. I made sure that like I sold it and got out of the way because there was other stuff going on. Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. it was like, yeah, there's some times where people throw some stuff at you and you're like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I was lucky that, that, you know, I was there with people that I trusted. So, yeah, I mean, even though like I was still nervous, but I mean, I trusted them that I was going to be okay. And sure enough, thankfully I was okay afterwards. Um, but that was cool. <laughs> well, I want to tell a story. I know I told you this earlier, but I, mm. I think the story's fun. So I want to share it. So sure. I was going to broadcasting school somewhere around 2011, 2012. And mm. you and Alberto Rio were doing uh, media in the Cleveland area. And one of the guys that I was in class with was an intern on the morning show that you guys came into one of them. Cause I know you guys on media day do, like 50 things before, yeah, before you get to the arena that day. (laughs) Oh man, I couldn't imagine, but 
And he comes to me that day in class and he's like, oh my God, Stephanie. And I was like, yeah, what's up? Like, he was like, really like intense. And I was like, yeah, what's up, Ray? And he was like, Ricardo Rodriguez says he knows you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And at that time we hadn't met, but we had known each other through friends. Mm-hmm. And, but he was so intense and it was so funny. Just the way like he came in, he was like, oh my God, a WWE person knows who you are. And I was like, okay, the wrestling world isn't that big. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're a little starstruck and you had a good time this morning talking to them. That's cool. And that's even cooler that he like mentioned to you that he knows me. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Cause I, I'm sure he probably was like, oh my God, I love you guys when he was there. So no, and it's a small world. It really is a small world when it comes to wrestling. It's kind of like that whole, uh, um, what's up? Like the seven stages of Kevin Bacon or something, the seven, yeah. whatever separation. <laughs> yeah, seven, the seven degrees of separation of Kevin that Bacon. Thing, that thing, yeah, yeah. That, that thing. Somehow <laughs> we're all connected in one way or another. Yeah, and there's some crazy connections through wrestling that you get to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I know this person because of this, or yep. this, or this. Yep. It's fun though, but you know, when you figure out how you know somebody through somebody else, it's it's always good times. It, it really is, it really is. And But you know what, like, and, and also, Throughout this whole journey, I've met a lot of great people. Um, some that I wish to for, for to forget, but uh, for the most part, like I've met a lot of great people, and uh, it's really cool. Also, when you think about how we're all so different, but the one thing that brought us all together was wrestling. Um, and then you and then you form bonds, um, and it's like you're you're you become brothers and sisters, and and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool little little thing. Like you want to kill each other from time to time, but like if somebody were to attack another another fella, you know, like I'll defend them, of course, because we're all brothers in arms. Right. And there's there's a girl that I was wrestling on a show one time and it was intermission or after the show. I can't remember. And she was filming something for her YouTube show. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another girl who jumped her and then another girl who came in and jumped her at the same time. And I'm like, I can't just sit here like that's yeah, that's yeah. my friend. So I had to jump over the merch table and go and like bring because I knew there was beef between these girls anyway so I pulled the one girl that had nothing to do with it that was just jumping in because it was her friend and I pulled Mm. her down to the ground I was like no no this is not how this is going down like I'm not gonna try to like protect my friend because I mean we're going to be wrestling later so that would just look weird but I'm not gonna just let like people jump in on her when it's not part of their business anyway like if you have beef with somebody then take it out but to jump somebody that yeah stupid in my opinion. No, it's it's happened. It's happened on on my end too, where like I've been around somebody I'm not a big fan of. I don't like him that well. Mm-hmm. But he got into a little bit of an argument with somebody, and I I mean I'm not gonna let him whether whether he could hold his own or not. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean I wasn't gonna wait and find out if he couldn't, so I had to step in. Um, because like I said, like we're, we're brothers, and eventually we had to work together. So like hopefully that kind of helped out when when we wrestled. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, like we we're, we're brothers, uh, we're sisters, we're family in a weird kind of a messed up way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talked earlier about being social outcasts. And I remember in high school, like I was bullied all sorts because I was wearing my Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts mm-hmm. and the Rock shirts. And people were like, oh, this girl likes wrestling. That's, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, and so like, and then I became a wrestler. And then it's so funny because I remember like these kids making fun of me. And now on Facebook, they're like, oh, you got to hang out with so-and-so or, oh, mm-hmm. you wrestled. So- That's so cool. And I'm like, I got no love for you. So just 
yeah, yeah, back yeah, yeah. on up. <laughs> you made my life hell in high school, and now you want to be friends? No, that was that's that's a, like a fun little thing too. That looking back now, that you mentioned it. How in in high school, there was a lot of folks that never gave me the time of day, and then all of a sudden they see you on TV, and then you get those random messages. Hey, man, how are you? How you been? I've missed you. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know anything about me except I'm on TV now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go back to WWE because, like I said, there was several matches that me personally, I was like, I love them, or there were certain bumps that you took. And the first one was in December of 2011, mm. and it was the TLC Triple Threat match with Walter Alberto Man. Del Rio, Miz, and Punk, and you yeah. took the big old dive off the ladder through the table. So here's the story behind that. So early on in the day, Michael Hayes, <laughs> uh, we're coming up with the whole structure of the match and whatever. And then uh, Michael Hayes, so I think it was Michael Hayes who brought up, brought it up. Oh yeah, I'm recording. You're gonna go up there and you're gonna, because I think there was a, I think there was like a previous match where it was I think like Kane, Edge, Del Rio, Ray, and it was a ladder match. And then. Um, yeah, and then I'm trying to climb up, and then King grabs me, and it chokeslams me from from the ladder. Um, so they kind of want to revisit something, something like that. So when he mentioned that I was gonna go climb up there, and you know whatever, I thought, okay, well they're gonna bump me off of it or pull me down or something. And then he goes, oh yeah, and they're gonna tip you over, and, um, and you're gonna go through a table on the outside. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. And then um, uh so they're like all right so they put the crash pad those that and now I'm, i know you've seen it that big ass crash pad that they have mm -hmm. but they put it in the outside and then they bring a ladder in they're like all right so get up there and we're gonna tip you over <laughs> no adrenaline uh, oh no <laughs> yeah yeah so like because in, in my head no exactly exactly perfect yeah, exactly in my head i'm like no we just we just i don't know if this is one of the things you, <laughs> you just do it yeah um for their reason edge and christian were there i don't remember why but they were there and then, so as they see me go up there, I, I'm sure they can see in my in my face that I was kind of like scareless. Um, uh, so then uh, Edge, and Edge, I think it was Edge or Christian, one of those two. And then he goes, he's like, whatever you do, just ride it. Don't jump. Because if you jump, you're going to kick it from under you and it, you're just going to fucking eat it. Mm. Um, so sure enough. So, okay. So they start tipping it over. And what does my dumbass do? Um, I jump. So I kicked it from under me and then I went straight out onto the ropes and I, I just did one of those like weird little tumbly thingies because um, my feet caught the rope on the way down. Mm. Uh, but I landed on the pad, so it was there. And then, um, so then Michael Hayes, he's like, oh, you know what, we'll just scratch it. But at the time I was like, no, 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 <laughs> hold on, hold on, I got this. Um, so then I had to go up there and do it a few times till eventually, you know, get it right so I could, they can trust me to do it. Um, but but yeah, that was the whole thing. It's like just write it, just write it down. Don't jump, just write it. Um, so eventually, when the time happened, um, I remember I, I went up to uh, Miz uh, right before we went out. I went up to Miz and Punk. I was like, I, I trust you guys, but just let me just just tip it over. Don't toss it. Just tip it over. And then Punk just looks at me. He's like, I got you. We got you. You're fine. Um, so sure enough, so I set the ladder because I put the ladder how far I needed it to be, and then eventually the moment happens and you just, you know, when you take those weird bumps, you just kind of like close your eyes and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you land and you're like, okay, that was it. Um, well, eventually I, they did, um, 
they, they had a camera up on top that had like the the view the downward view yeah the bird's eye uh, view yeah and then eventually so i found out because one of my knees was bruised as hell uh it turns out i missed the first table and i ended up on the all my weight on the second table um and then my knee clipped the first table um and then i remember that night i was rooming i was rooming with mason ryan um and then uh, he's a big dude anyway so um he kept telling me that i couldn't let him sleep because i kept uh moaning in pain because my knee was swollen as hell um so i couldn't walk straight for a good, a good like two weeks because it was just bruised mm. uh but that was yeah looking back it was fun because uh, i know that was probably the this is just me tooting my own horn um i think that was like the the highest reacted bump i guess out of the whole card um out of the whole show so that was that was a little bit of a good job me <laughs> Yeah, but like I said, that's one of the iconic moments that, like, I remember from your career. Like, I just think back and I'm like, oh, I got to ask him about that one because that was yeah. that was a big thing. I mean, especially we're talking managers since probably the 90s haven't been, like, a big thing or val- not that you were necessarily a manager because you were the ring announcer, you were doing other things, but you were always by Alberto Bar- Bar- Rio side. So it's yeah. like to see somebody who's not established as necessarily a worker or a wrestler going up and taking that kind of bump makes it even bigger. Plus, everybody wants to see you get your ass kicked because you're the yeah, person yeah, yeah. that's interfering all the yeah. time. And, and you know, you know what I think also helped out too, because at the time the other managers, for the most part, were female, mm-hmm. and they will never. And I mean, I mean now, I mean especially in WWE, like the women are never going to get hit by the men. I mean, mm-hmm. I know it's an independence is different. Yeah. Um, but because uh, like the other the other top heel was Vicky, uh, yeah. at the time, and she'll never get punched or kicked or whatever by one of the males. Um, so I I was that guy <laughs> that, that would get punched and kicked and whatever. Um, so it was kind of cool. It was it was fun because like like you said earlier, like I got to take some pretty cool finishers uh, and moves from people like people that I grew up watching. So that was cool um there was definitely a few that I, I marked out like a little bitch uh <laughs> <laughs> which one was your favorite that you took or can well, you the even... very, well the first one was ray that was the very first one because that was the very first finish that i got was ray and then i mean me i grew up in lucha libre and i knew who ray was my entire life so mm-hmm. um so to to have our first feud with ray was awesome um and then to take the 619 like almost every every night was pretty cool and then especially like the first night um because i've never taken one from him so, i mean i've taken one be- from from folks before and they always mm-hmm. pull back but ray doesn't pull back he just swings his legs and uh, another thing that ray has that nobody else has are knee braces um mm. which those things hurt yeah <laughs> so the very first the very first 619 that i took I-, I wanted to be a man and then i kept telling myself don't put your hands don't put your hands don't put your hands don't be a bitch um <laughs> So I took him face first, and then his knee brace caught me right in the face. Uh, eventually, I learned with time to. <laughs> yeah, protect yourself always. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, they kind of hurt. Um, but there was that. I mean, obviously, working with Kane and getting the, the spear by Edge and uh, working with Jericho was a lot of fun. And Randy, I, I think the most move, the most finish that I, well, my English is no good sometimes. Um, <laughs> you're doing quite fine the, the move that i took the most was probably the, the rko that's that's probably the one i took the most um 
Yeah, or or Seamus's boot. That's probably the second one. But th those two were, were the most, uh, the ones I took the most. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to take a minute to tell you about my friend and big supporter of the show, Apparel Line, Ruddy Lad. My wardrobe is filled with these t-shirts. They're so comfortable, and I am not the only one who feels this way. You can find celebrities enjoy them, too. Everyone from WWE's Big E, Sheamus, Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown, UFC icon Chuck Liddell and Conor McGregor's training team, to the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Bono from U2, Phil X from Bon Jovi, and actors too, such as Chad Michael Murray, and so many more. Ruddy Ladd was also featured on Dragon's Den on Netflix. So head over to ruddylad.com, help support them, and make sure raise some proper mischief. Well, speaking of Seamus, how did that whole segment come about when you came dressed out as Seamus? Like, did they come that morning like, we're going to put some Kool-Aid in your hair and dress you as Seamus, put some white Casper-like tights on and go? So, <laughs> so, they, uh, so they, they, they do a lot of things sometimes where they don't tell the other people or the other folks what you're doing. Um, like, for, the, for instance, that whole thing with Seamus, they didn't tell Seamus. Um, <laughs> they knew we were doing a promo together. They, he had the promo, but he, when they gave him the promo, they didn't tell him I was going to come out looking like him. Um, <laughs> so he didn't see me until we were in Gorilla. Uh, so Seamus just let out a big you fucking I don't know <laughs> he just let out a big F you um, and then we took a picture which is somewhere out on the internet now it's somewhere out there I'm gonna try uh, we to took find a picture that. together before we went out uh, where we're in Gorilla standing next to each other and it was, it was cool because um, they had asked him for boots for his boots because he had two he always had one that he carried and he had an extra pair that he, that he had at the, um, the, the the big box where all like the jackets are yeah. and I'm sure you've seen it yeah, so he has an extra pair there, so they grab those, and then I had to wear them, um, because they have lifts. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, they didn't tell Seamus until we were out there, so that was cool. The same the same thing happened with um when they dressed us up as as Zeb and Swagger. They didn't yeah. tell Swagger or Zeb <laughs> until we were out there, uh, because they wanted to get a genuine reaction. Right. Um, which that's is so fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now you mentioned earlier about females and males not really mixing it up, but you had one mixed tag match that was really fun. Awesome. And I want to ask you another question about that one. So you have Layla and um, Santino against yeah. you and Beth Phoenix. Whose idea was it for the Justin Bieber shirt? Okay, so this is how this <laughs> happened. So this is how this happened. Um, so we're coming up with the match. We're coming up with the match, and then they get they gave me like two really like skin tight shirts, um, because they were coming up with some idea, whatever. You know, eventually the match happens, and then they rip it off. And then I don't know why, for whatever reason, I was like, wouldn't it be funny to have like a Twilight or like a Justin Bieber shirt? Um, and I, because I I do the shirt all the time. Like I just say stupid stuff, and then it just goes, hey, okay. Um, and then they're like, yeah, whoever the I forgot who the writer was. Cause it was one of the writers that, that that mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh, if we had a Twilight or a Justin Bieber shirt, it'd be funny." And then they went out and they went and they got uh, a Justin Bieber shirt. Uh, that's kind of what happened. I just opened my mouth and <laughs> and it happened. But that was so much fun because I, I love Beth. Beth is great. I'm such a big fan of hers and Layla too. Because I I was I used to work with Layla a lot um, before the shows. Um, and Santino's a great Santino's like a, a legitimately funny, funny as hell guy. 
Uh, he's, and he's so quick with his comebacks. You can tell him anything, and he'll just be boom right there. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I had so much fun with that one. And then I got to put in a lot of ideas into that match that they thankfully um, they, they, they kept in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very appreciative of, of that because uh, those were my ideas. And then we got to do it on TV, and I was, I was happy. Um, well, you can yeah, genuinely... So I, that, that was favorite. Yeah, I was about to say, you can genuinely tell when people are actually having a lot of fun yeah. or if they're just kind of going through the motions. And with that yeah. one, I could, especially if you are in the business to begin with, you can really kind of pinpoint these little things. And that one, I could just tell, like, the way you were having a blast with that match and then the afterwards ripping the shirt mm-hmm. and everything, it just, it looked like fun. So it you knew fun. you it wanted to be there. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I forget where we were, but uh, but when they came up, so technically, technically, uh, the tag team of myself and Beth are still undefeated. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I don't think Beth's doing any more in-ring action ever again, is she? Well, I mean, again. No, but like you said, you never fully retire. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Maybe you guys could meet up and do another something. You yeah, still remain great. undefeated. So another match that I had that I wrote down that I thought was, I don't know whose idea it was, but I thought it was genius, is the last man standing match, Alberto Del Rio mm. and Big Show. And to me, I never saw anything done like this before, but you duct tape Big Show's feet to the ropes. How do you go? I mean, he's, I met him once and his hand, like when he shook my hand, went up to like my elbow. So I can only imagine how gigantic his feet would be to try to duct tape (laughs) to the ropes. We're doing the the duct tape thing and actually, because we did it in rehearsal just to see how quickly I can do it. Yeah, and um, and and I mean, it, it worked out. We we're fine, but then we we actually when we actually went to and do it, where were we? I don't know where we were, but when we actually did it live, the tape kept ripping. Um, <laughs> so like I would like stretch it out and it would rip, and I was like, ah oh, shit. Um, so I know there was a few times where they had to like maybe cut angles. I think because mm-hmm. uh, I've only seen it once before, and I think they kept cutting angles because like the the tape kept ripping. Um, but that was fun, and then they actually had another. They had another last man standing in Miami, when Del Rio won the first, the world heavyweight title, the first time around, when mm-hmm. he was a babyface. Yeah, it was a world heavyweight. Um, that was a lot of fun too. All those, all those matches were fun. Uh, and, and Big Show is such a big teddy bear. He's such a good dude. Uh, he throw, he would throw his fits every now and then, but he was, he was such a good dude. He was very um, open to ideas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys are because it makes well, it makes their lives a lot easier too. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, so they were all all of those guys were so open to ideas, and I mean, it's not like we came in with something saying something completely dumb or stupid. It was for the most part stuff that would, you know, uh, accentuate you know something of, of theirs. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if you did this and then you you caught the reel with that? Like same with the, like Randy. Randy was always cool with our ideas because we would put him over. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When I was wrestling, I was the heel. So at least 98% of the time. So like, I would always be like, Hey, let's do this. And this is what you do to me. Or if I had my manager with me, I'd be like, you'll do this to her. You know, she does this to you, but then you get the come up on her, you know? And they're like, you want us to do that? And I'm like, yes, like, this is what I want. You know, like I'm going under, I'm going to at least make it look good. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, and have fun with it. Yeah. And then what I've what I've come to learn too with with that was if, if I give them ideas for them, they're more than likely willing to do something for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they're more open to, you know, be, be okay with something that'll put yourself over. Um, so like I've, and it's, it's wrestling is a give and take, you know, you scratch your back, you know, I, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine type of thing. Yeah, definitely. So it, it always, it always helped out. So it was definitely pretty cool. Awesome. So then you released in 2014, but in 2015, I think you had a pretty cool opportunity. You got to go over and be a uh, mentor to a lot of the kids coming up in Great Kali School in India. How was India? That was a lot of fun. That was that. I don't think I I realized what I got myself into when I first agreed to it. Um, I'll admit, uh, granted, it's a little different now, but because uh, I don't drink anymore. But when I did agree to it, uh, it was after a night of going out with a couple of buddies. So when when I got contacted about going over there, I was like, yeah, sure, of course. Um, and then when I when I finally got some rest and I woke up, I was like, what? Are, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then once I got over there, man, it was it was such a beautiful experience, and and then things something that I've, I've always appreciated about being there was how appreciative and how much they 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 love being at training and they realize how much the parents sacrificed for them to be there mm-hmm. and they never took anything for granted i mean granted that they, they they probably hated a lot of the drills that i gave them but they did them um they never complained not to me at least but they did <laughs> them and then uh they were always there uh and then it, it all p- had a big payoff. Uh, I, I convinced Khalid to let me run uh, shows at the academy to get the guys to get accustomed to wrestling in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right before we left, we got contacted by WWE and, and Impact uh, that they wanted to do something with us. Uh, um, so once I left, they got in touch with, with Impact. They got in touch with uh, WWE um some of my guys did tryouts right before i left with uh wwe in delhi um we had uh, a major tour a three-show tour uh in india that the first show drew i want to say like 22 23,000. the second show was about fifty-two thousand, and then the last one was only because of weather only because it was raining was about eleven thousand or mm. so roughly um and then some of the guys are, are some of those guys are assigned to WWE, uh, whether it's in Orlando or to um, NXT UK. Um, one of the guys, uh, one of the guys who went after me, who was actually one of the Santino's guys, Daryl Sharma, um, mm-hmm. is, he's one of the referees now. Yeah, I know. Uh, so there's yeah, yeah. So the, a lot of those guys are are within the company now, and it's something that we started. Um, and it's something that was a cool experience that nobody can ever take away from us. Um, and I have something similar coming up that I don't want to jinx it yet, but right. by the time you put this out, I'll, I'll, I should get all my info and then it'll be up. Um, but I got some, a cool another little experience similar to this coming up. Um, so I'm excited about that. And to get to do it all, all over again, I'm, I'm excited. And I know that, like, back when you were in uh, India, like, I saw you would post drills with some of those kids, like, over there. And you were teaching them not just the WWE style. uh, You were teaching them the Lucha Libre style. You were teaching them all sorts of different drills. It was awesome. And, like, I'm pretty sure you still kind of think of those as your, like, kids, right? Yeah, they're they're my kids. I still keep in touch with them. They still message me. They forget the time difference. So they'll (laughs) they'll have a habit of calling me on WhatsApp, like, at 3 in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> um 
so they they forget about that but they've gotten better at it but yeah they still they still i still talk to them um like when when some of these guys got signed uh, they called me right away and they were crying and then i cried with them and because like i said i saw how much they sacrificed and i saw how much they put in how much effort uh they put in like the living conditions over there even at the school i mean um we we take a lot of things for granted here we really do um and then for them to come to the u.s and now live in like in well, well, for them, what they consider like a very beautiful apartment. And for us, it's just like, oh, it's just a regular whatever. Mm-hmm. But for them, it's something that they never imagined to live over here from a small little town in India. Um, and then now they can send money to their parents, you know, and that's that's pretty cool. Uh, that's It makes a lot of things worth it. Uh, yeah. So like I said, I, I, I have a similar opportunity coming up and, and I'm excited about it. Uh, so I get I get to redo it all over again in a different country. So I'm excited about that. Oh, that'll be awesome. And I mean, I know you say you don't want to jinx it, but with COVID restrictions and everything going on, will you be able to get there? Yeah, in yeah, a timely yeah. Fashion? I've, I've, we've already we've already gone to like worked out all the custom stuff, and, and we've already worked out all that stuff. I'm just waiting on my itinerary. Okay, um, good. So that's the, that's the only thing I'm waiting on, just my itinerary, because um, I don't want to get excited until then. <laughs> oh definitely you can never you know like you said with covid we took a lot of things for granted you're like oh i have one two three shows this week or yeah, this yeah. month whatever and then all of a sudden it was gone so you yeah. don't want to count too much on something and then something else happened who knows what knock on wood exactly. that nothing happens yeah, yeah yeah exactly now i know that you in 2017 you said that you were done wrestling because you said you've retired a couple of times that you were only going to mentor and teach is that something that you find you have more passion in as a teaching or do you feel like wrestling is like you being in front of a crowd is still equal with that? I have, it's, it's like this weird thing. Um, Cause even in, in WWE, like uh, they would call me for, for, they would actually call me on, uh, on my phone, on the phone on my days off. And they would tell me, Hey, we have this, this show coming up or we have this match between let's, I'm just throwing two names out there. Let's just say, I don't know. Uh, Damon Sandow and Jamie Noble. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, think of a finish. And I'm like, okay. So then the day of the show would come and they're like, hey, what do you think about? And I would tell them ideas. And more times than none, they would go with the idea that uh, that, I, that I gave them. Um, and it happened a lot. So I used to do that with Alberto's matches. I would like pitch ideas and then they would go with it. Uh, the match that Edge and and the Real had at WrestleMania, like I came up with a lot of a lot of the spots and they they just put it together to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty cool to to see some of the stuff that that I gave them, some of the ideas that I gave them, and put them to use. Um, so it's kind of cool too when I when I when I help out backstage, uh, when I help produce or whatever, um, and uh, and I see those those ideas come to life. So it's kind of like uh, I can be. And granted, granted, it all depends on the people that are doing it too, because mm-hmm. I can give somebody the script, but if we have shitty actors, that movie's gonna suck. Right. Um, so, so I get a, I get a big kick out of that. I get a big kick out of, out of guys, you know, start from somewhere and then become, they elevate themselves through training and then they become something much bigger, much better. And then they go off and then, you know, they, they, they leave the nest, um, and then they go make a big name for themselves. And that's pretty cool for me as well. Cause you feel like a proud parent. Yeah. Um, so like, but this, like, for instance, like guys from India, not that they're in WWE now or over in the UK, um, 
guys that I've helped, you know, because even then, like, I was helping folks when they had their tryouts. Uh, when I was still in Orlando, they would come to me, or even if they were already signed at the PC, they would come over to 2.0 where I was teaching because they wanted some extra ring time mm-hmm. and they knew that I was there. So they would go there because I was there. Um, so it's kind of cool. It's a good, cool little feeling. Uh, it's a cool little feeling of feeling appreciated, I guess. Definitely. Um, and uh, I, 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 I think I enjoy that a little more than actual being in ring mm-hmm. uh, in front of the camera, uh, especially now that I'm getting older and my body's all beat up. Uh, I, I've done a lot of stupid bumps that uh, <laughs> uh, throw my ears that I'll wake up in the morning. I'm like, why am I sore? And then I go back and I have like one of those like weird mental flashbacks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's why. That's probably why. Uh, that's why my neck is, is is sore. That's why my back is all messed up. That's why like, this is why my fingers all broken. Um, mm. So, so no, I I think I, I like remember a little I got more. That one. Yeah, yeah. So I know you can't tell because I have to put them back side to side, but this one's got dislocated in India, so it's mm. all swollen versus like that one. I'm not I'm not flipping you off. It's just <laughs> it's a middle finger. Um, like this one happened in India during a match. It broke. I don't feel anything on it. Um, but you know, the wrestling. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate more being behind the scenes. I, I do. I, I love that more. And then I, I would like to think that those guys and girls that have trained with me can see that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that that passion that I have for it more so than I do when I'm in front of the camera. Um, because if I can help somebody else, you know, achieve their goals, I'm all, I'm all for it. Definitely. So I'm, I know like with COVID going on, WWE has laid off a lot of their producers and stuff like that. Would that be a role that you would be open to with them? If given, I mean, granted, I didn't leave on good terms per se. Uh, Cause I was very angry and bitter when I, when I asked for my release, uh, I wasn't happy being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I said a lot of shit. I probably shouldn't have. Uh, well, no, let me take it back. I regret how I said things. Okay. Uh, I don't necessarily take back much of what I said because a lot of people that left after I did said exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I regret how I said things. Uh, I should have taken a different approach. Uh, and that's obviously, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And I was angry. I was younger. I was upset. I had a substance abuse problem. Uh, so there's a whole lot of things that went into it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as they say in wrestling, don't never say never. So if the opportunity were to present itself, I would jump on it immediately. I would love to. Because um, like I said, I, I, I appreciate it. I love being behind the cameras. I appreciate being an agent, uh, a producer, a trainer, especially a trainer. I love that. Um, what I've been doing for God knows how many years. And that's what I want to keep doing. So if they were to call, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. And, you know, I mean, you said like you were you know, you had a substance abuse problem, you know, there were other things going on, you were bitter about whatever was going on at that time. That's why you asked for your release. But I mean, like you said, you've gotten older, you know, maybe you don't regret what you said, you just regret how you said it. But I mean, I think a lot of people would understand that and knowing that the passion that you have for the business, maybe that could even go by the wayside or hell, even AEW or Impact, maybe one of those two would be like, hey, let's, you know, bring him on because he has a brain for the business. You never know. I know, I know for a fact that the guys at Impact are aware of, of me because 
they I, when I when I finished the whole thing with India, Impact went went after it. They went there uh, for whatever reason. You know, it didn't fully work out. That's on their side. That's on the mm-hmm. Ali and Impact side. I wasn't there anymore, but I know they went after it. So did WWE. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of the main guys on there follow me on Twitter, so they see my social media. Um, right. So that that's why, like, also for like the last several months, you know, since I've you know gone and you know gotten healthier and gotten better, uh, de- dealt with my demons or whatever, and like, I'm trying to stay active and on on a, on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully that'll be seen, and uh, hopefully hopefully influence them to hey you know kind of like rethink uh, the possibility of a position or something. But I know, I know with what I have coming up, hopefully it'll spark a little more interest, hopefully. Um, I'll talk to you after. About Definitely. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah I, I would love to if the, the, the offer were presented itself. So obviously we know you have this big secret that you're holding here that you can't really discuss because you want to wait till you have your itinerary. Yeah. But, <laughs> but what else is going on in your world? Like, you, I know you said you're training. There's obviously not a whole lot of shows going on, especially after what happened at the collective. A lot of people now having COVID. Yeah, but where? Yeah, definitely. Where can they find you if they do want to see you? Well, I'm still, I'm still. Well, currently, I'm in Los Angeles. I was living mm-hmm. in Mexico City. I was living in Mexico City before this. I was working on a TV show. Um, I came up here to visit family, and then COVID happened. Um, so I kind of got stuck here. Uh, so for the meantime, I'm here in LA. Um, for the meantime uh, uh I'm, I'm still training i'm teaching currently here uh, myself rikishi rusev miro uh we're trainers down here at knox pro in la uh we have a great set of, of, of guys there um we're only training like two or three at a time uh per day so it's it's slow but it's something uh mm-hmm. and it, it's keeping us busy and uh that's all that's that's it for now really that's that's all we're doing right now <laughs> there's not much because of COVID. I, it is but it's very difficult soon. it's yeah, very difficult it really is it really is um but uh, like i said once this holding passes hopefully soon um we'll get our gears up and running and we'll hopefully get back to the the, the motion of things and move around okay great well let's go ahead tell everybody where they can find you on social media so that if they don't follow you already they can so if you want to follow me on Twitter, my uh, thingy is still at RRWE. I have not changed it because I don't want to lose a checkmark. Um, on Instagram, it's uh, at the letter J underscore Rodriguez 818. Uh, Snapchat, I, I use it rarely, but I'm still on it. Um, it's the same thing as Twitter at RRWE. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I, I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram, uh, mostly on those two. Uh, more social on Instagram for sure. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, Jesus, for being a part of the show. It's an honor to have you be a part. I'm glad that you appreciated my intro as well. <laughs> and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to have you on again, maybe to talk about your top secret project in the future. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. So for everybody, thank you for checking out Talking Sets, and we'll see you guys next time. Wasn't that an amazing conversation with Jesus? I want to thank him again for coming on the show because, I mean, what an amazing opportunity to have him right before he goes to Cairo, Egypt. I'm so excited for you. Congratulations once again. I wish you all the best success and please come home safely.
So that wraps up this episode of Talking Sass. Don't forget to follow all of my social medias. Of course, you should already know them. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, ratings, all that. Make sure you do it. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are. And we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.